0: Welcome to the Hormone Lifestyle Zone. I'm your host, Meg Ricci, and this podcast series is about demystifying hormonal issues and struggles facing so many women today and today we're going to explore the world of infertility. This is a topic that's very dear to my heart. I've been working with women in this area for over two decades, and I really hesitate to refer to it as infertility because I don't believe women are infertile. I believe there are a variety of factors keeping many women from having a child or holding a pregnancy to full term. And that goes beyond um, the age of a woman and the quality of her eggs. And I'm seeing this more and more in women in their 20s and 30s that are struggling with unexplained infertility. And so does my next guest. And the title of today's episode, A Deep Dive into Unexplained Infertility, Miscarriages, Failed IVFs with Dr. Jonathan Shear. So Dr. (coughs) Shear is a New York City-based fertility specialist. This wonderful physician has helped women and couples for over four decades bring healthy babies into this world. So let me give you a little background about Dr. Jonathan Shear. He specializes in high-risk pregnancies and is in the investigation and treatment of couples who experience recurrent pregnancy losses or have repeatedly failed IVF and unexplained infertility. Dr. Shear is a fellow of both the Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists in London, England, and the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. He was awarded uh, awarded a doctorate for his research on the role of prostaglandins in spontaneous and induced labor, and has authored numerous scientific publications in peer-reviewed medical journals and has contributed to chapters in medical textbooks. His residence has included training at the Fane Groot Schur Hospital University of Cape Town, South Africa, and at the King's College in London, England. He has taught students and residents at the University of Cape Town Medical School and is a full-time professor at Mount Sinai Medical School in New York City. He's also the author of two books, Everything You Need to Know About Pregnancy and Preventing Miscarriages, The Good News. He has also been interested in mind mind. Medicine, and has recently visited traditional hospitals and Chinese maternity hospitals with the Royal College of Gynecologists in Beijing, and is interviewed with scientific and general media. And he has a practice on Park Avenue uh, in New York City, and is currently uh, Associate Clinical Professor at Mount Sinai School of Medicine in New York City. Jonathan, thank you so much for joining me in the Hormone Lifestyle Zone. We had some technical difficulties, but we finally got you on this All morning. Right.
1: Sure, pleasure.
0: Thank you for that grand introduction. So, Jonathan, I, I think yeah. I, I, you know, you had sent me a list of wonderful questions, but I, I really would like to hear your take on why we're, and this is a broad question: why are we seeing so much more and more? unexplained infertility are you seeing more of that in your practice over well, the years yeah yes just
1: uh, j- just to be just to be clear mm-hmm. um the practice is largely involved with recurrent pregnancy loss and repeated failed rvf uh if uh, procedures as right. you mentioned yes um i think we what is happening now is that more and more well firstly there are a number of reasons uh, in the urban centers, uh, women are starting to, uh, their families at a much later age. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the one thing. And by later, I don't mean over 40. I mean in the cities in mm-hmm. And um, that could be one contributing factor. And also, I think there's more and more knowledge available and there are more and more treatment modalities that are being done now and and it's being demystified, and people are hearing from their doctors or hearing from friends that there are things available that they can do. And so I think they're coming forward, and you seeing them and I'm seeing them mm-hmm. because people hear your name and they come forward to talk to you. Mm-hmm. I think I think that's that's the main the main thing because we can do more about unexplained fertility, unexplained pregnancy loss, unexplained failed, failed IVF now than we, than we could before.
0: Mm-hmm. So,
1: as you so know, people come forward now. Sorry. Yeah.
0: Yes. And, and, you know, and I refer people to you. And I've had when I was in New York, when I practiced for 20 years, because I would, you know, I too, a lot of people, unexplained infertility, uh, succession of failed IVFs, miscarriages. And there was a lot that I could do and, um, you know, unfold. And a lot of that being looking at leaky gut and inflammation. And I know we're going to talk about that more. Yeah. um you know for example there was uh from the journal of translational uh medicine in 2018, there's a study that women with repeated miscarriages, they found a link of leaky gut might occur and allow passage into circulation of immune triggers, potentially able to elicit endometrial innate immune response, and thus to contribute to miscarriage pathogens. Diagnosis and treatment of intestinal disorders underlying leaky gut might improve endometrial environment and pregnancy outcome. Right so um you know
1: yeah you, yeah that's that's quite right, I mean, there's a lot more out there, my mm-hmm. feeling is is this that um miscarriages and failed i v f don't always have to happen mm-hmm. there are there, there are treatments available, and unexplained um infertility should the term should only be used when the all the relevant testing has been done. Right. If it hasn't been done at all, or there's only been partial testing, it's not unexplained. It's, it's got to be looked at in a lot of different ways and a lot of different tests and the, and the history and so on and so forth. So the word unexplained infertility... Is only unexplained when the patients haven't been investigated. This is the problem.
0: This is the problem because, th- and this right. is why I wanted you on on the show. And what I'm seeing, so I've been down in, in Charleston for five years, and. Um, I, I see a lot of women where there's something amiss, something's askew, and the traditional—it sounds interesting—the traditional or the conventional way of proceeding with women with, you know, infertility is, is going into IVF. But nobody is exploring and examining these areas in the way that you do. And I brought Not. this up, you know, you and I—we did a—I I, I had you on my uh, radio show about seven years ago. And we explored mm-hmm. this, and I thought during this time I would see, be seeing more, you know, reproductive endocrinologists doing a deeper, ex, you know, exploration into why, but they're not.
1: Yes. So the, the, I, I'd <coughs> like
0: you to talk about that.
1: This this is the, this is a bit of a problem. I think the reason is that a lot of reproductive immunologists haven't been exposed to. To immune testing, that to me is is a big area. However, just before I, I enlarge on that, mm-hmm. I just want to say that um, I work up to the immune testing. I don't just do the immune testing. I don't jump into. It. I first work up and do the basic uh, workups. And, I know you and do. there are yeah. new things that happen in, in the in the basic area mm-hmm. because I I see. Uh, the, the type of patients I see is particularly with failed IVF are patients who have already seen excellent REs and usually it's it's such a mission when they fail IVF that they've seen more than one doctor and been mm-hmm. to more than one hospital and they've been to more than one clinic and um, and they then I see them mm-hmm. and these and when I Well, when I talk to them, um, I first make make sure that I understand their history because they're long and complicated. And and when you hear these histories over and over again, you get a feel uh, of what they need even before you've done any testing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's very important to take extremely detailed histories. And um, I think that because reproductive immunology is a relatively new area of investigation it's just maybe 20 22 23 years old there hasn't been enough exposure not every medical school has has courses in reproductive immunology and um, this this is the problem and what I see is they the reproductive endocrinologists by and large keep Keep trying and just vary the, their their medical treatments a little bit more of this, a little bit more of that, and um, that you need to go further because, especially today, mm-hmm. especially today where they patients are paying for pre PGS pre implantation genetic screening where the the embryos are tested and and we know that they normal when they transferred. And that hasn't shifted the dial much. It hasn't improved. The, the feeling was, well, this is the answer. Now everyone will succeed. And it's not so. And yet they haven't embraced um, immunology, which in these difficult cases is a big chunk of it. And I think a lot of the of testing should be done even before they, they undergo IVF or certainly mm-hmm. after one IVF failure.
0: So, what are you seeing? What are you seeing as as being the issues from an immunological perspective, or what are you seeing that's contributing to many of these women that you're working with that that other reproductive endocrinologists are missing? Well, not testing for
1: well, that, well, there's a, there's a lot of immune tests that we do, and we mm-hmm. vary them depending on the patient's history. Mm-hmm. Um, they, you see, there's a the clinical application of immunology is relatively new, and and it's it's not something that has yet been accepted. And um, all I can and what I want to say is this: that on analysing our results, and I've been doing this for many years now, mm-hmm. the immunology too, which is relatively new for many years, we we get on the patients we see who've repetitively failed IVF mm-hmm. And they, in the old days, when people felt IVF or had recurrent miscarriages, that it was attributed, everything's chromosomal. You know, there are not enough chromosomes in the embryo, or they're abnormal, or they're Mm -hmm. missing. But that can't be done anymore to the same extent. And we are showing above, they've already seen the endocrinologists. we are showing a good success rate with our treatments. And, um... And that's and the word of mouth spreads, and that's why the enormous number of women who 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 seek, they say to their their IVF doctors after two three failures, look, isn't there anything else? And the answer they often get is, oh, not really. And a lot of it is is just you know experimental witchcraft, not proven. And with that approach a generation or two of women are, are being missed who could have babies because so we've seen the success rate. We have seen the success rate beyond the IVF success rate. Remember, they've already failed with with the with mm-hmm. the RE, and we investigate them generally and immunologically, and we, we see success. So I have um, a co- and And the same thing applies to recurrent pregnancy loss. Uh-huh. <clears throat> so... The, the,
0: yeah, I'm oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah. So there's a
1: lot more, sorry. Okay, you you talk because there's a lot more with the recurrent pregnancy loss as well instead of trying oh, again yeah, and trying Oh, yeah. And and, again. and I
0: guess what I I'm, I'm 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 taking a step back and I'm looking at we're seeing these women or couples with immunological issues that you are exploring. Right. But What is triggering this—I guess what I want to get into, what are these immunological things that are being triggered? Why—I actually referred someone to you who had a child and then— Having the second child, she had a succession of miscarriages and other things going on. Um, she, and from my perspective, when we didn't continue to work together, she went to see you because she's in New York, but had a lot of gut and, and gastrointestinal issues going on, an incredible amount of stress. So, you know, are a lot of these yeah. immune issues, are they a reflection of underlying inflammatory stuff um, uh, uh, triggers going on. That's cr- you know, and that's and that's really what I, I I think is part of the picture that that I'm seeing. And and I want to go because I th- you're my-
1: absolutely right. I yeah. mean,
0: inflammation
1: um, doesn't mean that the person has a fever and they red in the yeah. face and they've got an ice pack on the head. Inflammation medically. And immunologi- immunologically means the presence of inflammatory antibodies mm-hmm. or cytokines, which are more complex antibodies, but they're still antibodies. And inflammation is is a cause of actually every disease from yeah. cancer to the common cold, including pregnancy problems, You because inflammation will attack the implanting embryo. So they either don't get pregnant or... Or they or they miscarry, or they don't take home a baby. and a lot of a lot of diseases mm-hmm. they act through inflammation
0: mm-hmm.
1: and they act through inflammation. And when we do the immune tests, uh, a lot of the uh, the the immune factors are causing inflammation. And you know I know you're very interested. I mean stress itself is believed to be a cause of inflammation, and that's why. Even though I do very uh, uh, Western medicine, I, uh, my, my actual investigation and treatment is only Western medicine, British and American tests. Mm-hmm. But I do, I do approach the, uh, the, the mind body and we also talk about uh, anxiety and stress because that, that also results in inflammation and lifestyle factors and so on. But uh, the testing I do is strictly British-American testing. Mm-hmm. And um, – but uh, there's a big – but if you want to talk about inflammation, you've got to include stress and emotional aspects.
0: Well, yes. And uh, so – and, and, and I guess what sorry, I'm draw- – Sorry,
1: can I, can mm? I just uh, – Sure. Just want to, sorry to interrupt, but I just want to say that um, I've got a friend, uh, Dr. Sammy David. He's a, he does yes, infertility. Sammy mm-hmm. doesn't do IVF. He just – and – Over the years, I've spoken to him, and we've commented, and this happens with patients coming to me as well. They make an appointment, and they wait for their appointment, and when they arrive, they're pregnant, or else they've canceled the appointment because they've conceived. I mean, this is the old story. Someone adopts, and then they get spontaneously pregnant themselves. So there's a lot in that. And, And when you... I learned a lot about this when I visited traditional hospitals in China and so on. And also, there's a, a doctor called Petra Ark, mm-hmm. who was at McMaster in Canada, in Hamburg, who who does a lot of basic research into immunology and the effects of stress on on immunologic reactions. So that's very important. But uh, you know, I can I do a lot of uh, strictly uh western immune immune investigations it just hasn't been it's just not out there
0: well i I guess what i want to ask you is and and this is what i i see a lot are these immunological triggers or responses that are occurring in women being driven by a leaky gut, is it be yes. driven? Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. So if but we, that,
1: yeah, that's one. one that's aspect, one. Ad,
0: so. And that's what I wanted to, to 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 bring up because what I see in working with women, for me, it's not just about getting these women pregnant. It's making sure that they have healthy babies. Right. And 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 you know I right. and and again and I I bring this up because I think it's an important part. A lot of times people think, well, if I if I take this drug. Or if I do this, then I'll be able to get pregnant. Well, we have to take a look at what is, what is the driver underneath all of this. And I believe, you know, and you are going to explore what you do. But I, I, I think what I'm trying to drive home is I think a lot of these yeah. issues are also involving leaky gut, environmental factors, Absolutely. standard American diet. So, they,
1: go ahead. Yeah, go on. They trigger immune responses. Yes, but it's not only immunology. I mean, the, yeah. you see, the REs. I remember about at first, not about twenty years ago, but really in the past eight ten years, a lot of uh, IVF clinics are using the patients are paying for and using euploid, or another word for chromosomally normal embryos mm-hmm. from screening, right. and. This didn't, as I said, Ellis, didn't really, they, at first I said, well, this is it. Everybody's going to succeed. Mm-hmm. And and it didn't happen. And it's where the baby's going, it's environment. And if there's inflammation, that's a big trigger for immune responses or for not succeeding. And I just have to say that people must realize that when they have fertility treatment, pregnancy is... Is, is not the success. The success is, it's an outcome success. The success is taking the baby home, not yes. just getting pregnant.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Because
1: people get pregnant all the time and they don't even know it half the time. Yes. So recurrent miscarriage, um, the, in, that's why, the, you know, the instance of recurrent miscarriage about one in 10 women, about 15 to actually 15 to 20 percent of women have a clinical miscarriage Mm -hmm. but there's a there's a whole about 20 percent an equal number never know they were pregnant because they might not have any symptoms They've missed their period yet and uh, the fertilized embryo hasn't implanted
0: so um i mean
1: but you're quite right about the leaky gut i mean these things are important and the there's a whole new era of microbiomes, which is to deal with bacteria in our
0: bodies. Yes, and vaginal, and, and I know you're, you know, the gut and the vaginal microbiome. But yeah, um, very important. But what I think is really, what I love about the work you do, and I've sat in, I, I sat on a, an initial intake with a client years ago, you really do take that deep dive. So you look at clotting factor issues and a lot of a, yeah. a variety of things. So can you walk through what sure. you have said Seen in clinically with women, so they can get a better understanding of of what you're treating. Sure. That helps them along in holding a pregnancy that may not involve or may involve IVF. Okay, so let
1: me if I may sure. let me let me tell you. Okay, we'll take um, we'll take recurrent miscarriage or repeated failed IVF. Let me tell you how I approach it. Yes, is okay. Perfect. Firstly. When these when these couples arrive, mm-hmm. and it's always nice if the husband comes along as well because he's also involved. And um, about uh, when when I've seen them, I ask them first to when they make the appointment, to make sure we get all their past records of all the doctors I've seen for fertility or or treat, being treated for miscarriage or, or IVF to to get me those records. And often we get hundreds hundreds of pages transmitted to us it's amazing never under 200 so you can see what a mission it is to have a baby and 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 it's gut-wrenching and that's why i've always been interested in this um so this is what we they come in and they sit down and i i, I introduce myself and put them at ease and then i say the first thing I want to do before I take history is find out why you came to see me that's very important and you know st- start when uh, you and your partner first met and and uh, lived together or got married and for example, you tried for six months and, and then you went to a gynecologist and had one to do tests and then they thought you should go to a fertility doctor and what the fertility doctor did did you have you know whether they were Treated with, with just trying with a temperature chart at first, or whether they were given drugs like clomid and letrozole to induce ovulation, and whether they ha- and then whether they went for IVF. Tell us about the retrievals. They volunteered quite readily. They so they have such traumatic stress syndrome that they remember the dates and the times. Mm. Of, of everything that's happened. Mm-hmm. And so you, usually this takes about 40 minutes, but it's very important when you do something, you do it right, and you pay attention to detail. Well, having done that, I uh, then, even before I've looked at their records, uh, I take a, a routine history, a medical and gynecologic and fertility issue from the woman and then from the partner. Whatever. He or she has had done to them. Okay. <laughs> and, um, and then it's now <laughs> more than an hour, um, hour and a half. Then I look at I, I look at the records and before um, I look at the records, I explained to them that I've now know why they're there. I know their medical histories. And usually they don't have any comorbidities, bad things in their histories which abnormalities which prevent pregnancy altogether and i say now i'm going to look at your records to see if you've had the tests that i would have done in, with your situation do you follow
0: yeah absolutely and, and
1: and if 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 you've had the test was it recent because test results fluctuate so if it was more than say six months ago we repeat it. otherwise i don't have to be repetitive that's why when, when I get the issues, I want good chronology. Mm-hmm. Then then I say, oh, do I, you haven't, if you've had these tests, do, do, am I satisfied? Or most times I have to tell them, I have to populate them further, do further testing. That That's, that's before we actually talk about the tests. Okay. Um, and then um, what I do is I then, <laughs> I'm rather naughty <laughs> because when when they when I go through the test results, I say, Oh I see yes, you've had a prolactin done. Do you know what prolactin is, and these highly often highly intelligent professional people or not professional, but people are intelligent <laughs> they they looking for help. Do you know this no, I don't know do you know what do you know what an antiphospholipid, you've had anticardiolipin, do you know what that is? Do you know what an anti what what a thyroid level is? No, I, and they say I say don't worry about failing a test. It's an multiple choice. But then when I start before once I've seen what they have had and I feel I have to populate it further, I then say to them, you know uh, you've been through a lot and just from what I've learned and my interest in mind body medicine. I, I, there's, you can't give a reason for it, but I feel it helps if people um, know why they're having a test. Absolutely, it just helps. and and um, uh, and then they very I say, "Would you like now? Otherwise, in in the next ten minutes, we'll be done. I'll give the nurses the tests that that I feel you need." And invariably, with re- in fact no exception, pay, uh, patients say oh, yes, please, we'd like to know why we had the test. I said, you you, you've gained and you're having all these tests and you're highly intelligent. You wouldn't do this in your normal life, but you just accept it. And it helps if you know why you're having it so you can understand. It also leads you to understand this isn't your fault. So this is, infertility is a disease like any other disease. You've got to, you've got to investigate and treat it. It doesn't have to happen, and then I I spend a, I, I tell them well, and I and I also you know intergenerational aspects have to take it be taken into account. By that I mean you know baby boomers uh, they, they've finished school and their their mission is to go to college, get a job, stick to that job, save money for their children, their grandchildren. But when you start getting Subsequent generations, like millennials, if you look at it, millennials are, are a group which like to have things explained to them. So, you know, people, a lot of them are millennials or Generation X and so on. They need explanations. And, and they, well, the patients jump at it. They want to know. And then what I do is I, I outline the basic tests See the ones they've had done or haven't had done, and then I then after I've done those, I go into the immune tests. I build up to it
0: mm-hmm.
1: and explain it.
0: Well, I you and know, then, I,
1: and then we do the bloods and we do the tests if they want to have them.
0: But I like that it, it is an important to explain. It's empowering. They become Absolutely. part of that process. I mean, I do yes. that in my practice. I, You know, people come in and for a variety of, of, of reasons and many with fertility, I explain every supplement. I explain why we're looking at diet. I explain why we need to do a more yes. in-depth thyroid panel. So, you know, you know this, but a lot of times... They'll just check the TSH. Well, that's like looking at the front door of a house and saying, I'm going to buy this house, but nobody's paid any attention to TPOs and antibodies. And I've actually right. seen, oh, seen that be a tremendous... I had one woman, uh, she had, quote unquote, unexplained infertility for seven years, finally got pregnant with IVF, and I kept insisting, please get your... Antibodies and TPOs tested. I'm editing a lot out. I sent her to a fabulous uh, uh, thyroid endocrinologist down here, Brittany Henderson. She's somebody who's amazing. Anyway, she discovered that she had Graves. And, yes, good and, for you. You know, so that that is part of. You know, I want to make sure, and 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 we'll go into this. I, you know, that they look at MTHFR issues. Okay. Yeah. And I want. Okay. It, and clotting, okay. and I'd love to go you to go into okay. this. Okay.
1: You know, I, I just want to stop you there because Good. you see uh, Graves, TPO, anti mm. that you're mentioning.
0: Yes. That's not,
1: in many cases, cases that's not been done. Not point the finger, at you Because people do it, but in many cases that's not been done, and just to. Make you feel good. Um, um, I've got a paper in preparation on treating patients with, you know, Hashimoto's, mm-hmm. and or, or or who've just got uh, TPO and, and and the antithyroid thyroid antibodies without Hashimoto's. Mm-hmm. Um, and w- w- I've got a lot of cases over the years, and we're doing the sequentially and we're analysing it uh, to see our results. Um I'll give an example. I think there's a big problem because patients have uh, low thyroid or they've got t or they've got Hashimoto's, mm-hmm. and what, which doesn't have many symptoms, by the way. You just feel a bit tired, maybe. And the doctors, uh, a lot of the times, the, the current treatment is to give them levothyroxine, which is Synthroid, mm-hmm. and stabilize their TSH, their thyroid, circular and thyroid level. And they... In, in fertility, that that doesn't show all that much improvement, and the reason is, you have to. It's an, it's an antibody TPO, an anti antibody, mm-hmm. so auto antibodies. So we give them auto autoimmune directed treatment.
0: And do you know what part and of that is on on, on on on? And my-
1: that's been explored in the past mm-hmm. a little bit, but it's not accepted as this, as the standard of treatment. The standard of treatment currently for those patients, and there's just been a huge study in the New England Journal, is to to, to give them levothyroxine. We yeah. had rounds on it recently, and the expert who came to talk, Levothyroxine, but he didn't show any improvement in their, in their results on growth retardation and so on. It's because it's autoimmune.
0: Well, also autoimmune, you know, when you're looking at... Autoimmune is
1: immunology.
0: Yes. And, and also you have to I, I look at when with autoimmune issues, again, you know, genetic predisposition, you know, no, weak link into the ca- in, in the chain, but looking at diet, looking at selenium. You know, looking at variety of nutrients that are necessary for proper thyroid function and Mm -hmm. doing a lot of detox and environmental work. I had a a Japanese teacher, Kiko Matsumoto, this is going back like 28 years, and she would say, your thyroid is the dumping ground for garbage. And a lot of times in working, and I myself have had thyroid TPOs and antibodies. I I know the thyroid journey. So for- yeah. Go ahead. No, so uh, I I just know that it's incredibly important anti-inflammatory mm-hmm. diet, and I keep going back to it. Environmental factors, pesticides, plastics, all that stuff. Celiac, okay. I see that. But anyway, well, continue. I wanted to interject that because that's a part of it. It's a big piece. Yeah,
1: no, you know what they've just shown. It's as an early view article is mm-hmm. that, and this makes me. Uh, think a lot about you know how important vitamin d is oh, gosh. and that's yeah. because that's because it's anti-inflammatory mm-hmm. and it you know like if you've got endometriosis you've got inflammation inflammatory antibodies uh, if your crp which is a test for reaction to body inflammation is raised when you go in the sun your vitamin d goes up and god or, or whatever you believe never does anything. nature never does anything without a reason Mm-hmm. And the reason is because it's been shown to be so important in preventing, in attacking inflammation, which helps with fertility, which helps with cardiac disease, because mm-hmm. CRP is also a cardiac disease. But they've mm-hmm. just shown, and this to me is very interesting, that vitamin D has a role in thyroid function. Mm-hmm. And we often see, especially in New York, where a lot of women have low mm-hmm. vitamin Ds, patients come in who've been to a doctor, and a lot of them come in and have been given Synthroid, mm-hmm. because their, their their TSH was a little high, meaning they're a little short of of uh, of thyroid hormone, mm-hmm. and and it, and they don't have antibodies, and and a lot, and I think uh, it's made me happy because he has a cause. It might be because their they vitamin D so low because these are women who are marginally hypothyroid and they no antibodies. Why is it happening? And it's because it could be just uh, – this is just very interesting. It's brand new. Um, the endocrinologist I work with was very excited, and I told him I've just got this immunological, immunology article from the American Society of Reproductive Immunology. They've shown it. And, um, you know, this might be why we see these women with just low thyroids on 50 micrograms or 25 micrograms of Synthroid, of very low dose. But, you know, there are a lot of other things that- – but there, there
0: are, And you know what's interesting, that's Jonathan? That's one thing. I mean, yeah.
1: that's one of my... Uh,
0: well, some okay. of the... Okay, well,
1: I, I don't give you a list of tests. No, but if you no, I think it's, know more about tests, I can tell you.
0: Yes, and, and just to let you know, some of the best D research comes from Dr. Carol Wagner here at MUSC for uh-huh. women and pregnancy. Yes. So she really wants women to be aiming between, I think, I don't know, 50 and... I I like women between 50 and and 70 or 80. But what is interesting, I I feel with a lot of these fertility issues and immunological issues, it's not just one thing. It's a synergistic cluster of stuff. Low D, low selenium, (laughs) uh, a trash microbiome. And so, yeah.
1: Okay. Now, I just want to say that um, we have some, some said immunology conference and uh-huh. over a beer at the end of the day, we discuss. There's not going to be one treatment right. for pregnancy loss or for yeah. retinal mm-hmm. diabetes. It's multifactorial. Yes, when you when you look at okay, so I do these investigations. I do a mm-hmm. lot of tests, and w- that's the point. You've got to test, otherwise mm-hmm. you're not going to explain. And when, for example, when you find someone. Who's got antithyroid antibodies? Because mm-hmm. we always test those, of course. Right. I don't engage, I haven't done the basic test, but say we're mm-hmm. doing the immune test and they've got antithyroid antibodies. But I also do, I, we look at other immune parameters, other autoantibodies, other cytokines, which are, well, this is all immune stuff, mm-hmm. and do mm-hmm. terms. You seldom, in fact, you never find just one parameter. They all have, might have the same treatment. They might be all autoimmune. But you might find things which, not, uh, which are not autoimmune. There the are other immune things, not necessarily autoimmune. They can be alloimmune, other things. But there's never just one thing. And you see, you can't just say, well, the patient doesn't have antithyroid antibodies, so it's not immune. Because you also have to do the ANA. And the rheumatoid factor and mm-hmm. the double strand DNA because people, women, and men can have autoantibodies. And sometimes it acts against you and sometimes it doesn't. And when I do an autoimmune test, if we find antithyroid antibodies or lupus antibodies, even though they've got, they, don't have it or they don't have it clinically, you have to treat them if they're having pregnancy problems, because autoimmune findings are commonly in women with recurrent pregnancy loss or implantation failure where they don't get pregnant. So whether it's, I'm trying to make a point, whether it's the lupus anti-1s or the antithyroid or the ANA or the double strand, we do it quite a few of the more common autoimmune factors because you don't want it to be unexplained. They might not have antithyroid, but they might have lupus antibodies. Mm-hmm. And But I'll also make a, a point, and this is important, to reassure them that if we find autoantibodies, say, to lupus, and they don't have lupus, they don't have to worry. They're not going to get lupus in the future. Once they've had their child or they've decided not to pursue things... They don't have to worry about it. It's the other way around. Of course, if they have clinical lupus, then they will have antibodies. But if they have auto-antibodies, it doesn't mean they're going to get the disease. And I always tell patients, especially when you're doing some of these more sophisticated tests, immune tests, that nothing we find is going to affect their, their, their general health, that we are going to find something terrible, like they've got some awful disease. So they must feel comfortable. Because truly, there is, the tests we do, if hypothetically, which means make believe, and when I was once said that, a patient, if, if, if hypothetically you didn't want a child, right, yeah. then you can throw all these results away. And then I said that, and she started crying. She said, I do want a child, I do want a child. That's how, how people are suffering, you know. Mm-hmm. just um, If hypothetically I didn't want a child, all these test results can be trashed of course lifestyle factors which are important people should always adhere to and that's also something we discuss. but you know i'm just uh, in the time available we, we couldn't go through all the tests we do but if you want to use some of them i can you know yeah I, 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 I
0: do actually i would love could you kind of walk us through a client that you've worked with and and the treatment and the outcome so people oh, yes. can get an understanding of
1: you yeah, know what you, all
0: these tests lead to and, and what the protocol would be to help this couple or this woman to have a child. Yeah.
1: Well the the protocols are so varied. There's no mm-hmm. fixed protocol. I know.
0: Um,
1: <laughs> um it depends on the on the individual's on the individual's history and findings. But essentially what I what I do is I first do the basic tests like cultures. Uh ureplasma and mycoplasma those are not, can you hear me? Yes I can. Uh, those are not STDs, this is all part of the micro and the bacteria that you find in the vagina which which cause inflammation which can interfere with pregnancy and it's a known cause of not succeeding, you don't have to treat it unless you're to a baby it's not an STD and but it makes the the vaginal and uterine environment inflammatory. That's what we talk about: inflammatory, inflammatory mm-hmm, antibodies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then you also have to. I uh, also check the male, because, um, you know, even if they've got embryo transfer or they, or when they just did on their own, if the male's got ureaplasma, for example, in his seminal fluid prostatic fluid that has to be treated as well because when they have intercourse even though it's not an std it, it does go backwards and forwards between the couple and i also do something uh, not it's not widely but also uh, do a second culture another q-tip to look for any other bacteria because if the bacteria in in the seminal fluid or in the vagina, which shouldn't be there, like you find odd bacteria. Right. Should you treat it? I think you should because there's something called chronic endometritis, which is has become very important in the work of of patients, particularly if they fail chromosomally normal IVF, um, and we don't know where where the inflammation of the bacteria have come from. And then then I I do some tests on the male. I look at these... At the sperm, a bit more carefully. It just depends on the history.
0: Look so at fragmentation. These, these, these tests that you're doing are these tests that that are not are normally. Yeah, but are these basic tests no, that no, pe-
1: no, people do them? But I wa- oh, okay. we we make sure they've done them. Okay, and then you know, then we check the in the women the thyroid, the prolactin, mm-hmm. the autoimmune findings. We we check for depending on the history for polycystic ovary syndrome right. that is found. In fairly high percentage of uh, people who fail IVF or repeatedly miscarry, right? And and no, the the original description of of polycystic ovarian syndrome, where they had to be obese, hairy, and acne and misfit, doesn't not you don't the case find in it, my practice. That's not the case. You no. go look for it, no. and then you know we do things like I don't know if you to know, checking for insulin resistance. Yes, seeing. Um, we check and we do the vitamin D level and we check them for the CRP, which is another the autoimmune. Then we do a whole panel of what are known there as thrombophilias, hereditary thrombophilias. Um, these are factors that interfere with blood flow to implanting embryos. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, then after that, we, you know, we start doing immune testing and, um, and immunology really means uh, your, immune, your immune system protects you from things from outside. That's mm-hmm. what it does. You know, if you eat a salad and someone wash, hasn't washed their hands the, um, and the food goes down the intestine, the immune cells in the wall of the intestine recognize something foreign, just like a fireman spread it with foam or antibody and they destroy it. It's just incredible. And every lining in men and women, whether it's vagina, cervix, uterus, in men and women, urethra, rectum, bladder, wall, eyes, nose, ears, mouth, skin, have immune cells. And, and you, immunology is very important. Um, and immune cells are like a little pig fire extinguisher which produces femoral antibodies, so it protects you. And then we, we look at the immune cells and we look at – like. People have heard of natural killer cells. Your immune cells are your white blood cells. They're about sixty or eighty kinds, and um, we do a panel of those. And then we look at very inflammatory antibodies, uh, as opposed to less inflammatory ones. We look at um, we look at immune responses between the couple. We look at factors that control the intensity of immune responses, and we look at Could, another. I have, qu- I
0: have a question. Uh, go on. What do you mean? Because I see immune responses between the couple. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Well. Or tie it in uh, it after you okay. finish this. You see?
1: Okay. I don't. Yeah. I know I'm becoming too technical. Me, You know, when when a person gets pregnant, mm-hmm. when a woman conceives, she's accepting. It's like having a semi-transplant. The embryo mm-hmm. half, more or less, comes from the husband, and she has to respond appropriately to his his makeup, his genes, and his chromosomes, and not reject them. Um, because if you think about it, a husband can make a woman pregnant, but he can't give her a baby. But he can't. Um, he can't give a, a a kidney transplant or a skin graft, they'll be rejected. And so immune adaptation is very important. And there are some yes. tests we look at to see how the woman's responding. So, you know, there's a lot that you can't do, but you can find things. There are more and more things that are being discussed now, but I don't do Giving practical esoteric things, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so we do. We look at certain uh, genes to see um, if they're sharing them, perhaps, and so on, because that helps us. We can't manipulate them at this stage, but we can help to explain that why it's takes them a long time to have a child. Um, and then the one other important thing that I just want to mention, mm-hmm. because when you go through like anatomic causes, genetic, endocrine, infections, and so on. Um, Antiphospholipid antibodies are important. That's an important test. The REs do it um, as well. These are uh, antiphospholipid antibodies are actually autoantibodies which interfere with blood flow to an embryo. So they cut off the blood flow. Mm-hmm. To an embryo And that's very important to test for Particularly when people Get pregnant and then the fetal Heart disappears or the embryo Stops growing So you know there's a whole slew of, I just want to Not to remember anything Just to mm-hmm. say that you've got to do the investigations Yes And and then we give a protocol Depending on what we found And we also discuss lifestyle issues
0: yeah, that's, and so do you in your practice feel that, well, I do. And I'm
1: sorry, I've been a bit too technical. Oh, um, that's okay. But I'm just saying no, there are immune causes and, um,
0: and, and I you, want to say something to on, 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 on your behalf. I've known, I've referred clients to Jonathan for over 15 years. And, and on my end, you know, as I've said, I look at diet, I look at lifestyle, I look at thyroid and detoxification, all yeah, this stuff. Yeah. And when I can't find that, and I know there's a missing piece, these are the people I send to you. And you've helped so many women. So you might be technical. I think this technical information is incredibly important. But here's the right. beauty, Jonathan. You've helped thousands of women go on to have babies, right? <laughs> yeah. No, really? Yeah, a lot, yeah. yeah no, but it's number. true. I we, mean, don't
1: always, we don't always succeed. Only God can guarantee an Right. Outcome, but, but you, you But get, we treat, yes, yes. We find a lot and we've got... I know my success rate. I'm not going to give it to you. I don't get into trouble mm-hmm. if someone says, no, it's less or it's more or something like that. But we're showing benefits. Mm-hmm. And the benefit we show is making sure that they've had the basic test. Now, a lot of mm-hmm. patients come out who've never had their antithyroid antibodies tested. A mm-hmm. lot of them haven't been cultured. You mm-hmm. understand? A oh, lot yeah. of them have their vitamin D checked. I know, and, that's um, what I always write down. Their, yeah. But, yeah, you've got to do, got to do the you gotta basic. Every, mm-hmm. You've got to make sure they've been done. Okay, mm-hmm. so the most, a lot of times they haven't been done, but times they've been done as well. Um, but that doesn't mean they've had no tests. But you see, the tests that get done for Mm -hmm. fertility are standard, which are important, like a sperm count, check that the woman's ovulating, a hysterosalpingogram to see that the tubes are open, and then a saline or water ultrasound called a sonohistogram where you squirt fluid into endometrial cavity before you put the wand in the vagina with a transvaginal ultrasound to see there's no polyp or septum in the uterine cavity, or scarring, which has to be correct. The REs do that all the time, which is very important. Yes. Um, But when they don't succeed, you've got to go further. And Mm -hmm. that's including some of the basics you've mentioned. And then, and then the immune, immune test. Mm -hmm. Now, because it's relatively new, it's, it's not out there. And, um, People are learning, and I, I know as I do sometimes, I do well, I always do long reports to their doctor. Uh, a narrative, and I see now that they I've given patients from the REs who've, who've treated their patients with low you know, low molecular heparin, and then they still haven't succeeded. And we look further, but
0: they that's are that's a blood starting, that's for they, women that have clotting, so if they may not know what that is, issues. it's for yeah. clotting factor yeah. issues.
1: You see, it used to be believed that um, when a woman has an early miscarriage, whether it's from IVF or spontaneously or from Clomid, um, they, that it's a blood flow issue. It's always all that. But in fact, we're finding the very early ones um, are in fact have an immune basis. The later ones, towards the end of the first trimester, 10, 12 weeks, or in the second trimester, are usually the blood flow issues because physiologically, it's only around about 10 weeks that the maternal blood flow contribution to the early placenta occurs. Mm -hmm. You understand what I'm saying? So that makes sense that why maybe the blood ton issue, the antiphospholipid antibodies, are not that relevant to to the sort of loss that occurs soon, like a chemical pregnancy or, or very early loss. Should I explain what a chemical what what a miscarriage is and what a chemical yeah, pregnancy? Yeah, please, is, please do. Is, is that yes. old news? No,
0: right? I, I please okay. do. Okay.
1: Uh, a, a miscarriage is the the loss of a pregnancy before twenty weeks. Once it's established, or or a baby weighing one pound. That would be classified as miscarriage. After that, it's a stillbirth or gross retarded or et cetera. Um, a chemical pregnancy is a pregnancy where it's established, in other words, the woman has a an, an HCG level, which is a pregnancy hormone level that can be measured, and yet it doesn't get far enough, doesn't progress far enough to see anything on ultrasound Mm -hmm. that's a chemical pregnancy and just incidentally um, a an early miscarriage a chemical pregnancy where there's nothing yet you're pregnant but nothing's been seen on ultrasound is regarded as a miscarriage as well as an ectopic pregnancy where pregnancy develops outside the uterus in the Mm -hmm. tubes or in any other part um, is also regarded as a a uh, miscarriage by the American Society of reproductive immunology so if you've had if you for example you you get investigated usually it was said after three you qualify after three miscarriages but now you the new guidelines are after two miscarriages you 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 qualify for investigation and treatment because the the reason being that this, the recurrence rate of a miscarriage after you've had two or three is, is almost the same, around about 33% or something like that. So now you investigate two two miscarriages. We also investigate uh, after one miscarriage if the patient miscarried, for example, and they've had a chromosomal normal embryo transferred. And... Um, we also will investigate one miscarriage if it's an advanced miscarriage, a second trimester mm-hmm. after 12 weeks mm-hmm. or near to 12 weeks, or if the women's older in, in fertility terms like middle 30s or, or later early 40s and so on. So, so you don't have to wait to recurrently miscarry before you investigate or recurrently fail IVF before you miscarry it. We usually investigate... IVF after a miss after a failed in IVF, after two failed IVFs. But if the the IVF even the first one was had a normal embryo transferred, mm-hmm. chromosomally normal, it's been tested. It's called PGS. Right. Um, then you you should be investigated because now you've you can't say, oh, well, it's the embryo; it was it wasn't normal. That
0: was so, that. I, so, I found that very helpful. That was so really the, good.
1: The indications for being, inve- you know, I, I still get. Can you believe
0: patients who say,
1: Well, I've only had two miscarriages after "I must come back again? If, if I, because you, if you don't succeed next time, then we'll do it.
0: I, okay, I know. Maybe I, I, that's yeah.
1: okay, but that's a little cruel if you appreciate the agony and what a mission it is for people to have, to when they can't get pregnant. It is so gut wrenching.
0: Well, yes, and I had sent, sent you somebody recently. And recent. no one
1: knows it more than you, Meg. <laughs> well, I sent you, you. You see these patients.
0: I know, it's hard. and But the, I really, and I sent you someone recently. I mean, I've sent you people that have had four or five miscarriages, and Absolutely. they were like three, four, or five months along.
1: But, you know, <sighs> also, I have patients maybe not all out in New York who, mm-hmm. who we recommend treatment to. And I've had cases where their doctor said to Neori, and I mean, I think it's unreal, Say, said, uh, if you do that treatment, I'm not US, I'm not treating you. You know, I know I've <laughs> it's heard heartbreaking that. because a lot of it is, I mean, it is science. it's science. It's a very scientific.
0: So, uh, so I, I have a question. But, um, do you work with clients that are out of state? You know, we get clients out of state. We get
1: clients from overseas. You know, I don't encourage it for the reason I've just given you, mm. because um, you, you know, <laughs> oh, people are. I don't say anything. I don't give myself. <laughs> drunk, but people are sometimes reluctant not to not to accept anything that's not in their, you know, something that they're not familiar with, because you know things change very slowly. And in medicine, things change very slowly. Mm-hmm. But let me give you some nice information.
0: Okay, we, have a, few, we have a little time. Yes, I okay. would love that. Just let me tell you
1: this, because you know about lifestyle. Well, you know, uh, you tell your, your patient, mm-hmm. cut down the alcohol, cut down the coffee, mm-hmm. cut down your gluten. But they've, they've just shown proven. Um, immunologically at a conference of the European Society mm-hmm. of Reproductive Immunology in, in Athens, Greece, about uh, five weeks ago, they had a, a very academic and they had some nutritionists presenting mm-hmm. one Sunday afternoon about, spoke about diets. And they've shown that a Mediterranean diet reduces inflammatory cytokines. They actually name them. So that the, the There's a lot of basic immunologic research that has been done with a uh, a Mediterranean diet. You know, little red meat, as you know, fish, fruit, vegetable, nuts, seeds. But the big thing was to cook your food with olive oil. Mm -hmm. And that's really beneficial. And I know you talk gluten and everything. I mean, it's all tied up with that. But now there's all this hard core proof uh, well, yeah, I, I
0: mean, I I do, and I think it's pretty much of a, a Mediterranean diet. My philosophy is... Um, that 70% of the plate is plant-based and the other 30% is lean protein, you know, yeah. wild caught fish. I do think yeah, beef yeah. is Absolutely. good grass fed and with nuts and oil. It's a whole food diet. Absolutely. And it's, it's funny because I, I have a, I have quite a few, you know, women that have been vegetarian and I've gotten them to bring, uh, protein into their world of, you know, meat and, and fish. Cause I, I think it's quite important to have all those branch chain amino acids and, and various amino acids to to actually healthy, to, to support a healthy pregnancy. But um, people don't eat vegetables and they don't, we, we, we eat so much processed food. So I agree. Mediterranean exactly. diet is incredible.
1: Incredible. That's
0: why I follow principles it's, of, of it's Chinese medicine the, it's,
1: cooked. It's good for general
0: health anyway. Oh, Totally. You know?
1: I just want to I'm say I'm Italian. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know I'm coming round for a meal, but I just want to say something. <laughs>
0: yes, that
1: um, I've tried to. I've spoken a lot, and, and maybe I, I was giving too much uh, technical information, mm. but because I didn't want to, you know, if you if you look for, if you want to just know the causes, and you say, okay, the genetic causes, mm. and atomic causes, endocrine causes, or, I mean, it, it's a little not boring, but it's. you you, you're just rehashing a lot of stuff i've tried to go a little bit for the new stuff but you know anatomic cause are important you know and the oris are very good yes and they're good at figuring that out yeah but you're they they find a septum in the uterus and you remove it you get great results yes you know so there are the basic tests Mm -hmm. and and it's not all immune but immune when people fail and they they unexplained. It's you got to have basic testing, insured, and immune testing.
0: Well, I I will I would like to say that this. Do you know Doctor uh, Fasano up at uh, Mass General? He is a pediatric uh, gastroenterologist and researcher, and he's done yes. a lot in the area of celiac. And he yes. feels with a lot of autoimmune disease. The three factors to look at. Genetic predisposition, yeah. environmental triggers—the ones we discussed—antibiotics, yeah. bacteria, you know, standard yeah. American diet, and then intestinal permeability. So Absolutely. I, so I, um, I say to you, you know, with with this immune stuff that is going on that you see, I really feel a big chunk of it is that we also have to look at. Lifestyle, diet, and environmental yeah. factors. The,
1: yeah, and uh, and there's uh, a lot of research, and it's led by uh, Dr. Gregor he's from the Canadian Research Institute in Ontario mm-hmm. to show the importance of probiotics. Oh, yes. Even the general immunology journals, the medical ones, talk about the importance of probiotics, you know, mm-hmm. because they produce micro vesicles and. We put all our patients onto probiotics. We encourage it to do it because they've been shown to be beneficial for a lot of things, but for pregnancy, for pregnancy.
0: Yeah, and I agree, and I I try to um, put. most of my women on a uh, a vaginal uh, probiotic or one that that's specific to the microbiome of the vagina and, and also for the gut. So I I put people on a couple of probiotics. I totally agree with you, particularly when I see a history of UTIs and vaginal infections and and some of the things that you mentioned about bacteria. Jonathan, thank you again
1: um, you
0: really shed such beautiful light into an area that is can be very confusing for people. And and I think one point that you really shot home is that people need to, you know, understand why they're being tested for certain things and maybe yes. have their doctors explain. What they're doing so they can feel empowered and part of the process and uh, not just at the mercy of their uh, reproductive endocrinologist. And that's what I love about you is you really explain in detail and and I think that really helps um, and encourages couples when they're trying again to have a successful pregnancy. Yeah.
1: Yeah there's a there's a book that's just come out on aging from Harvard called Lifespan it's to do with to staying healthy and prolonging your life and maybe in reversing aging it's 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 being going to become a bestseller and beautiful he talks about this but he's his, he's a geneticist the genes mm-hmm. but he he gods, he says aging he says aging is a disease like mm-hmm. anything else yeah and and i think that Reprodu- reproductive problems can be treated and Absolutely. they must be treated. Well, you've got to look, look at yeah. it. And yeah.
0: it's, it's like a, I always say this to, to women you are like a, you know, your garden, and how are you tenting your garden? How are you fertilizing right. your soil? And how are you taking what are the nutrients in the soil that allows our garden to thrive? Yeah. So, Dr. Shear. Jonathan thank you again okay, please and do thank um, you. we will speak soon many blessings to you okay you Bye. too thank you that was an amazing podcast today I'm so glad that I had Dr. Jonathan Shearer on the show he is an incredible detective and he's helped again so many women and so many couples And if you didn't check out last uh, podcast episode, been getting incredible feedback on um, why women are not having sex. What's going on in the bedroom? And please check that out. It we I had such a good time with my guest uh, Alina McAllericklin. She is a sex therapist up in DC. Great, great episode. Because you want to have good sex to have healthy, sexy babies. So that's an important part of the picture. And the next episode really excited. Um, it's about sobriety. And I have uh, two amazing guests on the show. My friend Timo Ellis from New York, incredible musician, years ago produced a CD for me and um, consider a dear friend and his journey is extraordinary. And we will have a um, uh, a guest from down here. Her name is Jill, and Jill's last name is escaping me. And she also has been uh, sober for a little over four years. Worked on in Silicon Valley, moved down here to Charleston, and changed her life. Good podcast. I want to thank everyone day for listening in. If you like this show, please you know give a thumbs up. Always appreciate the reviews and subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. And until next time take good care eat your veggies drink a lot of water and take your probiotics have a good one